text tonight is verses 11 and 12 of that psalm. And uh, it's interesting, when you read through the New Testament, it's clear that the New Testament writers used the psalms often, and that the psalms were a key part of praise and also meditation for the early church. You know, they didn't take the attitude, you know, well, you know, we've, we've got Christ now, the Messiah, he's come. And so everything written of old is, you know, unhelpful. And so we can just go on in this new way. Rather, they were given to see Christ in the Psalms and also their own spiritual experiences in the struggles and battles and victories of the Psalmists. And really, they give us a pattern through which we can read and apply the Psalms with that Christ-centered perspective. You know, we know that the Lord Jesus didn't come to abolish these things, but he came to fulfill them. And so we should read them in that fullness and that richness, that they're full of our Saviour. And also, we should read them with that open mind and heart to be taught concerning our own walk with the Lord and our spiritual experience. And so when we read Psalms like this and they call us to meditate on the word of God, we shouldn't just dismiss that as though because we're in Christ and we have the indwelling of the spirit that we we don't need to do that anymore. Instead, it is with that Christ centered perspective, that high regard for the word with the help of the Holy Spirit that we are able to gain from the treasures and the depths that are there. And that should be obvious to us. And we know it because often when we read the Psalms, and maybe we read a Psalm like Psalm 77, we can see ourselves there. We can see our own experiences, experiences of the believer. And the experiences of the psalmist and this psalmist resonates with our own. And they're an example about how God has purposed that all scripture is essential and valuable for our learning and growth. And the Psalms, they call us to heights of praise and worship, but they also bring us comfort when we're in dark valleys of doubt and discouragement. And they give us strategies to battle with. They give us strategies that we can employ in our daily lives with all the challenges that we face of living for the Lord Jesus day by day. And that strategy for battling in particular darkness and discouragement is what I want us to think about this evening. And really... It's a strategy that can be applied to all of our lives as believers. If we don't read the scriptures and hide it in our minds and hearts and dwell on it and delight in it, have our thoughts and our emotions shaped by the word, we're going to struggle. And it's just so basic, isn't it? But we forget so often. We'll be more fragile spiritually. We'll be more prone to being deceived. We'll find troubles paralyzing and we'll easily fall into those sort of frustrating and sort of mediocre ruts in life that sometimes we hit. But if we're in the word properly and filling our minds with the scriptures and allowing it to, to absorb into our hearts, then as Psalm 1 says, we'll be like a strong tree planted by the streams of water that is fruitful. And we'll know that refreshing from being with the Lord. So in our lives as believers, we have to be intentional about being in the word it's something that we have to be active about something that we need to pursue it's not just something that we can hope might happen it's something that we've got to pursue it has to be a resolve and a determination and it's not easy it's not easy because the enemy will do all that he can to keep us from the word also in our lives we can coast and drift when it comes to the word and also sometimes 
life just seems really busy and it's difficult to make that time. But it is the key to being able to endure in the midst of all that. And our delight should be in the word of the Lord. And he goes without saying, I mean, even as we read that psalm together, that coming to the word and also being prayerful of the word is a vital thing. In fact, so much of the scriptures are prayer. Psalm 77 is a prayer. And so it should be read and considered in that way. And we could also use it in our prayers. Now, when I say that, I don't just mean sort of mechanically reading out the words, you know, as though just reciting in a formal way, but entering into the heart of what is being said and allowing it to form our own thoughts and words. And as we read it in the presence of God, we read it before him and to him. And we should be guided by the word so that it forms our praise and our confession and our questions to the Lord and our cries to the Lord. And God always listens to his word in our mouths and in our minds and watches what we do with it. He cares what we do with his word. So when we come to the scriptures, we should be aware that he is listening over our reading, as it were, over our dwelling and our meditating. And more than that, we should want him to be with us in our reading, if I can put it like that. We should desire his presence. We should ask him to help us to understand to believe and to receive our praise and our requests and our cries and our questions. And so it's a, an engaging process. It's an interactive process which is covered in prayer and communion with the Lord. And so being in the word and before the Lord and looking to him. And so Psalm 77 really gives us this pattern and this help. And it's obvious, isn't it, as you read the opening verses, Asaph is not in a good place. And he's praying, but he's struggling with real deep darkness and major discouragement. And he feels far away from the Lord. Verses 7 to 10 sort of capture his despair. He says, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favourable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And I said, this is my anguish. You know, even though it's quite bleak, I found that encouraging because it just shows that this is a, a typical struggle in the life of the believer. There are times when we feel that God is against us. Now, of course, he's not in Christ. He's always for us. But we can feel like that. We can feel as though he's not favourable to us. We can feel as though his loving kindness has gone. Sometimes we can feel as though his promises are not really for people like us. Sometimes we can feel as though his compassion has been withdrawn from us. And we feel like this at times. And it's dark, but it's not uncommon. And so what are we to do? Well, we're to battle this with the word. Now, when I say that, it doesn't just mean that if you get into the scriptures, all of a sudden you're just going to rise above your troubles and they'll all kind of disappear. That won't be the case this side of glory. The battle is hard and it's ongoing. But it's exactly because of that that we need to go to the word of God because it's our only foundation when everything else is falling apart. It's our only hope to survive and endure through the troubles as we trust the Lord that we remind ourselves once again about who the Lord is, about his character as we dwell upon our Saviour and the salvation that we have in him and his promises 
and the certainty of his purposes towards us, but also his purposes in the world, to know that he really is actually in control. And that's true, isn't it, of the whole universe. So what does the psalmist do in the battle in his valley of darkness? What is his strategy? Well, you see it in verses 11 to 12. He says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk, muse on your deeds. And so he's going to battle the difficulties that he's in by remembering the greatness of the Lord and by remembering the amazing deeds and wonders that the Lord had done in the past. It's really, really simple. It's not a complicated strategy. Having a right view of God is the only way to live the Christian life. To dwell on the the deeds of God and his, his wonders of old, they are there for us in only one way, and that's there in the Scriptures. And that's why we remember, we meditate, we dwell on them through the Word. And so we've got to be intentional about being in the Word and with the Word, because that is a key part of battling discouragement. The valleys of doubt that we go through, the strategy is we need to be in the Word. And see the emphasis in what he says in verses 11 to 12. The English doesn't really convey the strength of determination that he's expressing. He says, I shall remember. I will remember. I will also meditate and talk of your deeds. So there is a determination to set himself to these things. They are a conscious act that he decides to do. It is a fight that he decides to take up. The psalmist isn't just passive. He isn't just resigned and hoping things will get better. He knows where he has to go. He knows what is going to strengthen him. And that is his strategy. It should be the same for us. Now, when we think about that, maybe there have been times when We've said something along the lines of, well, I know the truth of God and I know it in my head, but I just don't feel it in my heart. It's not impacting me. It's not rescuing me in the way that it seems to do for the psalmist here. And there are many things that can be obstacles in our lives which add to that. But we have to ask ourselves, what do we mean by that? What do we mean when we say, well, I know it in my head, but I don't feel it in my heart? And I don't feel it to make the difference that it seems to be making for the psalmist. What do we mean when we say we know the truth about God? The question is, are we actually remembering and meditating and dwelling like the psalmist is talking about? Probably not. Maybe we're just talking about, you know, the definition of justification or something like that. We need to know that, but we need more than that. For example, maybe you're feeling unacceptable to the Lord. Maybe you feel like you've stumbled and you're failing. Maybe you're struggling for any motivation to press on above a sense of of despondency. And you know the great truths. You know that God is great. You know that he's done great things. And someone might say to you, well, brother, don't you know that you're justified by faith? That God looks on you in Christ? And you say, well, I, I know that objective truth. But it's not impacting me as it should. The question is, is the awareness of that truth the type of knowing that the psalmist is talking about? Or does the remembering and meditating and dwelling mean something more than that? Well, I would say that it does. Take that aspect of being justified by faith alone. 
One commentator gives the example, it's really helpful. So faith alone. So we get back to the cross and we think on the way that the Lord Jesus, my Saviour, the most loving, perfect, glorious man, one day hung on a cruel cross of torture and execution in unthinkable pain in every way. And as he hung there, alongside him were two sinners on the brink of eternal hell. And all of them were hung in the darkness. And I think about that. I think on the horror of that scene. And then I think on the way that for some stunning reason, one of those hardened sinners turns and pleads with Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then I begin to think about the way that sovereign grace took hold of that sinner and brought a miraculous change of heart that he should turn to Jesus and that he should realise who Jesus was. And I'll think about that. And I'll meditate and think on how unlikely, how undeserving, how hopeless even his request would have seemed to all those who were watching from below. And I'll think also on how that sinner had no time to do anything to make himself good. Had no time to make himself deserving before he would die. He had nothing. And I'll think on the power and grace that he must have thought Jesus had even in those dying moments on the cross. And then I'll remember and even take up the scriptures, the gospel of Luke, to remember and think on the response of the Lord Jesus to that thief. When he said, assuredly, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. And I'll dwell upon that amazing response. I won't just drift off elsewhere with my thoughts, but I'll, I'll remember that. Think upon it, because it's so glorious. Here is this dying man, a lifelong sinner, a thief who deserved to be there, had no hope. And then, by God's gracious intervention, he's forgiven, he's accepted, he's loved, and he's set for heaven. And it's all by grace and through faith alone. He didn't do anything to deserve that. And the grace of God amazes me. Grace abounding, which deals with a, a lifetime of sin and guilt and rebellion. And that man is saved in an instant. But the Lord Jesus has power to forgive and power to give life and power over death. And here is Jesus, the one who has the keys of death and hell. And here is Jesus who can save the worst of sinners and bring them to glory in a moment. And I think on that and I dwell on it. And I realise that there's grace, even for a failure like me. And then I realise it's all by grace, through faith alone. I'm justified because of him, not because of me. You see, knowing in that way is very different than just knowing the technical definition. It's truth that impacts their hearts. And that's what happens with Asaph, because he, he dwells on these things, he remembers them, and in verse 13, what is this brought out to consider? Who is so great? Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. From the depths of despair, he's brought out to see again the greatness of his God. And I wonder if we fought like that for the joy of faith when we grumble that we know the truths, but they're not impacting our hearts. 
This is more like what the psalmist is talking about, knowing and remembering and dwelling and thinking upon. And this approach, by the way, it's not just in this psalm, it's in many other places as well, to keep coming back to the word, to remember and dwell and think and absorb, to hide it in our hearts. And so we have to make a plan to be in the word each day. And as I said, it's not easy, especially with the the pressures of life. It could be family, it could be work, it just be the busyness. It could be being in home circumstances, which are not straightforward. But it's vital that we that we have some time. It doesn't mean hours and hours and hours, but it means just some quality time with the Lord to dwell and to be with him, where we can remember and meditate and think. It's too easy to drift. And so ask yourself, when is it best for me to try and fit the reading of God's word into my day? Where can I do it? Where can I read and think? Where can I find some quiet? And it could be a really unlikely place. And sometimes you have to be very creative to get some quiet. Do I have a plan for what I'm reading? Or am I just a bit hit and miss? Do I need to get a guide or maybe a theme to follow? Or do I need some devotional help? You see, it's about being intentional. And what works for you might not work for me. I'm much better at evenings than I am in the mornings. You might be very different. But the key thing is to be intentional in doing it. And so I pray the Lord would help us to see that this isn't an additional extra. But actually the word is the appointed instrument by which the Lord sustains and grows the faith of his children. And in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the witness of those who really grasp this They came to say that it was their delight. Psalm 1. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. What did Jesus say in John 15? These things I have spoken to you. That my joy may remain in you. And that your joy may be full. And so the strategy to battle on through the challenging days. Is very simple. It is to get back to the word, to think properly on the word about the reality of our God and the glories of the gospel and of grace. The question is, will we do it? And that's the hardest thing. We know these things. They're very straightforward. The question is, will we exercise ourselves in them? Will we do it? And do we trust that it will help us? The Lord has promised that it will. And I pray that we will be helped in the days ahead to be those who indeed have those consoling memories of God's works, that we would have a great view of our God and it would help us, especially when life seems tough, that we would be brought out of ourselves to focus on our God, who is infinitely greater. Amen. Amen.